are three games under 500. The local team is three games over 500. And guess which team has a gazillion dollars more invested in payroll? Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early. Every weekday, if you're into football and or hockey, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins that I hope you'll also check out. Pirates versus Mets tonight, 7.05 p.m. at PNC Park. Yesterday was a day off. Today will be a day that the New Yorkers will invade the city the way they always do. This time, it might also have something to do with their skies being completely orange. I don't mean to make light of the wildfires, but wow, the imagery that came out of Manhattan this week. But yeah, they usually do make their way across the Commonwealth, especially when the team is doing well, and especially, especially when it's a weekend set. So I'm expecting to see a lot of blue and orange in the seats. We'll see how it goes as far as the home representation. What I'm also expecting to see and hear, given that these are New Yorkers, is a very short fuse. The Mets have now lost six in a row, being swept by the Blue Jays and by the Braves. Not all that much shame in those, those are two really good opponents. Pirates found that out firsthand with Toronto. Uh, Atlanta is where Atlanta is. But the massive, massive payroll disparity with the Mets having an active, functioning 40-man roster payroll of $364 million, that method of accounting is a little complex to explain, but it's the one that's used to determine the luxury tax that's owed at year's end. The Pirates, of course, are nowhere near that. They're not even a quarter of that. And believe it or not, the only reason that I bring that up today is to share some, I think, interesting background on this. I made a glancing mention of this in my Friday Insider feature that runs every week on DK Pittsburgh Sports, but I'm going to share it with you here as well that Bob Nutting and Steve Cohen have actually become somewhat chummy. I'm not sure if that's the best word for it, but I'm also not sure how far I could take uh, any realistic description of how the two of them have regularly communicated and gotten along. Now, one would think that there could not be more polar extreme opposites in sports ownership than someone like Cohen who comes in and freaks out, even the Yankees and the Dodgers, you know, like they're all just weirded out by this guy. Like, we can't do this. What's he doing over there? We don't want to do this. And then all the way at the other end, of course, you've got the Pirates and you have owners everywhere, including the Yankees and the Dodgers, who are always upset with the Pirates because they in the eyes of those teams, don't spend anywhere near enough of the revenue-sharing money that is funneled to them, principally from the top spenders. So what is it that those two have in common? I don't have that information, and I'm not here to speculate about it. I just know that they do, you know, have something of a friendship going. And I actually think that's kind of cool, you know? 
I would kind of admire the fact that the Pirates, in any capacity, let alone at the very top, would look at what the Mets are doing and say, you know, whatever, that doesn't really affect us. They're not in our division. They're not going to keep us from making the playoffs, only see them six or seven times a year. And you know what? If along the way they make others at the top unhappy, so be it. But let this also be something of a lesson to everyone, myself included, that as much as the payroll disparities hurt this sport, and they really do, and I am not going to change my tune on that because the Pirates are three games over 500, two months and change into the season, and the Mets are in a losing streak. But it still takes nine human beings going onto the field competing against nine others, at least upon first pitch. And anything can happen. I'm reminded, not sure why, but of World Cup soccer matches that I've seen involving, you know, like a, a Brazil or somebody that's got a zillion players to pick from, and they'll go up against a Cameroon, one of the poorest countries on earth, and Cameroon just happens to have 11 dudes who can play. You know what I mean? You don't need more. You don't need 53 of them because it isn't American football. You just need the 11. If you've got to make substitutions, you can only make a maximum of two. So you really need, I don't know, 11.5, right? Something like that. Dudes who can play. Not sure it's all that different from what we saw earlier this week at the ballpark with the A's coming in at 12 and 50. They didn't care. They scored 20 runs on the Pirates in a span of about 24 hours. Took both games. Took them convincingly. Why? Their nine dudes were better for those couple of games. So anything can happen. And baseball is probably more finicky in that regard than certainly any organized sport that I've covered. It's so, so, so dependent on the starting pitcher. And that goes in both directions. Those of you who are a little bit more experienced in, in loving this great game will recall the Arizona Diamondbacks facing the Yankees in the World Series. And the Diamondbacks basically came armed with a couple of bats and a couple of other nice depth pieces. But they had Randy Johnson and they had Kurt Schilling, and they had both pitchers ready to go almost every other game. The Diamondbacks took down the Yankees almost entirely on the strength of two arms. Now, at the other end of that, the worst case scenario is that you pay a gazillion dollars for pitching the way teams have done just recently with, oh, let's say Jacob deGrom and Noah Syndergaard, not to keep picking on the Mets. But those guys are now with other teams. They've been getting shut down more. In Syndergaard's case, he really just can't even pitch anymore. He's not any good. And so the massive investment comes just flying back in your face, boomeranging right back. And it hurts. And it hurts even the biggest of spenders. 
So I, I feel like this is just a little bit of a balanced thing for me to share with you today because I, I went on so long and loud about salary cap this and salary cap that. And believe me, I still am one billion percent behind the concept. But it's not always that clean cut. When we come back, J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800 degree stone and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Your front door, your car, your bike, your computer, your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Visit ProjectChildSafe.org. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. Today's J1Q comes from J-Mac, who says, DK, I was at the game Wednesday. The fans booed Rwanzi Contreras. Unmercifully, shame on you booers. You kicked this kid when he was down. He's having a rough enough time to begin with, and then he has to listen to that crap? Yeah, that's really going to help get him back on track. If anything, you should be booing the Pirates' management for putting him in that situation. He's a young kid who needed a rest. Hey, Roe, wash it off. Most of us have a good idea of what you have. I'm going to respect your sentiment and leave it where it is, J-Mac. I want to add only that I was surprised with the volume of it, meaning the literal volume, how loud it was, and how nasty it came across. You know, there are times when the manager's the one who gets booed, and you can kind of tell because the manager is kind of slow coming out to the dugout, and they'll boo the manager on his way to the mound. This wasn't that. This was Rogue coming off the mound and heading to the dugout. There's no other way to interpret who they were booing. And why? Now, I'll say it again. You pay your money within reason. You're free to voice your opinion as you please. I'm never, ever, ever going to be that guy who wags a finger at fans. I will say that I agree with your premise that A, this is a kid, and B, this doesn't help. I say that mostly from knowing the young man and being able to share with you that he feeds off positivity. He gets better as the situation is more positive. Now, that's true of most people, although you'll also have some who are fueled by, I don't know, anger, resentment, trying to prove something, whatever it happens to be. Professional athletes are obviously like people. They're all different. But I've got to say that, you know, in that event, if you're a knowledgeable fan 
and you're a fan who regularly attends, you're a season ticket holder, you're probably not doing that. And here's where I might really tick some people off. I don't think that scene would have occurred on Monday night or Tuesday night. Hear me out on this. Now, those of you who are regulars will know what I'm talking about. Early weeknight games, meaning the Mondays, Tuesdays, if there happens to be one Wednesday that isn't a matinee, those bring out the season ticket holders, the total diehards, the ones who are either all 81, there aren't many of those, or 40 game plans or whatever it happens to be. They go to a lot of games and they like going to Monday and Tuesday games, lighter traffic, lighter congestion, shorter lines, all that other stuff. And I don't think they would have done that. I think they would have been aware of who this is and what he means to the franchise. Whereas Wednesday matinee, 1235 p.m. First pitch. It's the downtown business person special. You've heard that people will come across the bridge. Well, the bridge when it's open, the other bridge when this bridge is closed, which it still is until December. But they come over from lunch and you will see if you look around in those seats, you'll see people in suits and ties. And there will be people who just come who aren't season ticket holders. Because I can't imagine there are many season ticket holders who say, whoa, Wednesday, 1235, that's the game I want to be at. Because if you go to a lot of games, you have the option for yourself to choose a lot of games. Why would you take that? So what I'd say back to you here, J-Mac, is be aware that this wasn't your regular crowd. I'm not trying to make an excuse for them. I'm not trying to pick a side here. I'm just saying that this wouldn't have happened, I believe, on a Monday night or a Tuesday night. Those people know who Rwanzi is and what he means moving forward. I appreciate the question. It was a very, very good one. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. And we'll do another one of these guys on Monday. 